Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. I'm Sydney DeLorean, and I'm here with Zach Bird. Hello. What's going on, Zach? Uh, just hanging out, you know, ready to talk about another pedophile documentary. You know how I love doing these with you. You're my go-to co-host for episodes involving sexual assault. How does it feel that, um, as someone who knows you sexually, I assume that you're the expert on these things? Uh, yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I've I've joked before that that maybe there's something in my past. I bet I just don't remember. But oh, yeah. that you've been molested. Yeah, yeah. I go if because I don't remember like my childhood very well. So I'll like I'll joke with my sister. I go, yeah, my childhood was just raped out of me. I don't remember. Yeah. Anything until I was like you know twenty five. <laughs> um. But yeah, somehow I am interested in it. I yeah. feel like in the same way, like the Lou Pearlman documentary we went over and I was mostly interested in that because I wanted to know like, oh, did he like touch the NSYNC kids or whatever? I it, Matt Farley listened to that episode. He talked about it on the Motern Media infomercial podcast. And that's just amazing. I, I'm so flattered. And yeah. Yeah. He like said he subscribed to born and sober so that makes there's four of four subscribers yeah now. no you got, well you got the matt farley endorsement no, so you're well on your way it's great um so yeah um all right well today we're gonna talk about this new documentary it's on hbo it's called at the heart of gold and it's about the united states gymnastics like sexual abuse scandal but it mostly focuses on this one dude larry nasser um and there's just so much information to cover we i i did some reading outside of the documentary and the the gymnastics sex abuse scandal is so broad it would be like trying to do a podcast on the catholic church sex abuse uh where it's just like it's so far reaching i am I'm not capable of learning all those things and reciting them back because I have a tiny little goldfish mind. And yeah. sometimes when things are, are too broad, yeah. my brain just can't. It just is like I can't. Uh, but so we're going to talk mostly about the documentary um, because we watched it last night. And would you recommend it to people? Yeah, I was so uncomfortable and cringing through a lot of it because it was it was difficult to watch. But I think it's an important one to watch mm-hmm. um it's it's not entertaining in the way i usually like documentaries where we like to laugh at something or this was just like oh my god oh my god because especially um and i don't want to jump ahead with uh i'm not sure what order you're going to go in but it does show a lot of footage of him like actually touching the girl but he's doing it under the guise of of it being like medical and yeah that really just kind of like got to me after seeing that so many times i'm like oh dude this is so so bad and creepy um yeah so we'll start i guess in the order that the documentary goes into where it gives a bit of a background about the world of gymnastics because i think to understand how this guy apparently from 1992 to 2016 was committing sexual assaults and committing sexual assaults on like the top ranking gymnasts in the country and how could get it go on so long and so the documentary starts with explaining the culture of gymnastics and how in the united states it used to be a sport for adult women adult women competed in it and then these people called the um pedophiles of america no called the carolis they uh jesus i already forgot they're from like russia yeah and they were handling the gymnasts there and they changed the model to getting girls starting training them as young as like five and six and putting them in world competitions at like 13 14 because they're tinier they can do more impressive tumbling stuff and they're they were insane in how they trained these girls they ran it by basically they all lived together at the gym and they trained you know all the waking hours and so they swept the olympics with these little girls and all of a sudden gym, gymnastics went from a sport for adults 
to a sport for little girls. And the Corollis ended up coming to the United States in 1983 um, to get away from whatever terrible political regime they're from. I'm an idiot, which we've already established, so I can't give you the details on that. But the Corollis started a camp in Texas um, training these girls. And basically the culture is you don't complain if you're injured. It doesn't matter if you're tired. If you're injured, you keep training. And so it led to... um, girls like basically um you know exacerbating injuries um hurting themselves because they're practicing because they're tired and like there's just no breaks it's rigid and the Corollis ended up becoming the official gym for the united states gymnastics team in the year 2000 and it was insane they basically said to be in the usag you could train with whatever coach wherever in the country, but you're required to spend four days a month at the camp. And when you're at the camp, you can't have a cell phone. You can't make phone calls. You're not allowed to talk to anyone. So it's like you're isolated out in the, like, in the sticks of Texas, and this is the culture. You can't talk to your home coach. You can't talk to your parents, whatever. So that's kind of the world of gymnastics is we're dealing with very, very young girls who are being trained to – shut up and work harder yeah and it's not like you're not getting injured i mean because they're doing really difficult stuff and taking falls all the time so it's it seems like they would deal with injuries a lot and yeah so to work through that i don't know um yeah so along comes this dude larry nasser he's born in 1963 Um, In 1986, he begins working as an athletic trainer for the United States Gymnastics and National Team. Um, Like I said, they think his sexual assault started as soon as 1992. Uh, He graduated uh, University of Michigan. No, Michigan State University. Spartans. Yeah, I'm from Michigan, so I know that's a big difference. Those are rivals. He graduated from Michigan State um, in 1993. uh, from their College of Osteopathic Medicine. Um, he began working as a doctor at Holt High School in 1996. Um, and in 1997, he completes his fellowship in sports medicine. He begins working as an assistant professor at MSU's Department of Family and Community Medicine. Um, he earns $100,000 a year. And uh, so here's the fucked up thing. This dude is molesting girls. And um, part of his contract with the uh, Michigan State University states he has to do free community outreach, and he chooses to do his working with local high schools, volunteering his medical um, experience. And what all these girls said who he treated was that he basically fingered them. Like, that was his deal. He liked fingering these girls, and he would say, oh, there's a pressure point in the vagina that'll if i if i press it press it it'll help release relieve the pain while i work on your foot um and jesus there's so much to unpack with this dude uh but he worked in stages grooming these girls so like some of them he started on as young as six so like they don't know how doctors exams go And one of the gymnasts said in the documentary, like, the thing you need to understand about being a gymnast is we're used to having adults touch our bodies. Right. They're, you know, spotting us when we're doing flips. There's they showed a lot of footage of girls like with their legs up on blocks being pushed down into deeper splits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did. That is wrong also. Yeah, and so they'll be, like, put in these positions and adults will just, like, lean on them and push on them to get them further into it. So she goes, we're trained from a very young age that adults touch our bodies. We're constantly being touched and worked on. So if we're sent to see this doctor with an injury and it starts out, you know, he's touching us normally, a session with him was usually two hours is what they said, and they go, and about an hour of it was, like, actual physical therapy and then there'd be like 45 minutes that in hindsight was abuse but they didn't know and a lot of them their first appointment their parents were in the room right which dude was that 
Yeah. Because they said basically he talks a mile a minute. So they're like, you don't even have time to like think or get. He's just a chatty Kathy. And so he's talking your ear off saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is going to help you there. This is going to blah, blah, blah. And like my parents are in the room and either they're not looking to see what's happening or noticing where he's touching me. But like I'm thinking, well, whatever he's doing must be okay because my parent is there. You know, he's just a molesting magician. Yeah. And then so they go. And then when I go to start seeing him alone and he's doing the same things and my parents aren't there, but I think it's okay because he did it while my parents were there. But maybe when my, you know, parent was in the room, he only like, you know, was penetrating me for like two minutes. But now my parents aren't there. And he's doing the same thing, but it's for a longer amount of time. And I just think that's the yeah. treatment because it, he it's become normalized. There was a one girl who was like sounded like she knew that it was wrong, but then like her parents were in the hallway, right? So she was like, I I don't know, felt that uh, what you were saying basically that it must be all right because her parents were just in the hallway. Yeah, but yeah, some. So was he actually? He wasn't molesting them when their parents were in the room, but he was like maybe touching them kind of. Several of the girls said the first time he penetrated me, my parents were in the room and either they didn't realize what was happening because like maybe they just thought his hand was on my inner thigh and he's like stretching or whatever. But like he penetrated me with my parent in the room. Jesus Christ. Um, And so it becomes normal. Then this is when we talk about grooming. It becomes normal uh, to them. So they don't really think anything of it. And also, he was their friend. So, especially when they're at the, they said when he was at the Caroli camp, you know, there, they're not allowed to talk on the phone. They're not allowed to call their parents. They're not allowed to, like, eat or snack. And they go, he would sneak us candy. He'd let us use his phone to call our parents. So, like, he's their buddy. Right. Because they think all these adults are against me. Like, they're pushing me. They're making me do these things. And here's the guy saying, like, hey, I snuck you some candy. I snuck you a cell phone. Like, so he's and they're like, he friended us on Facebook and Instagram. He would like and comment on our posters. We thought he was a friend because everyone in the world of gymnastics was so strict and rigid. And he was nice. Yeah. Um. One of the things they said is he worked with all these gyms. And we will say, uh, I found out uh, online that when he was working in Texas at this Caroli ranch, he actually was practicing medicine without a license because he was not licensed to practice there. Um, He also, outside of his volunteering at the high school, would provide free treatment to kids. And so they they were thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, he knows I'm injured. And he said, just come over to his house. He'll his basement, his fucking basement. Um, And they're like, yeah, he what a nice guy. He's treating me for free. He's letting me come over to his house after hours, treating me in his basement for free. What a good guy. Um. And because the culture in gymnastics had pivoted to be this like extreme strict thing, um, a lot of the girls speculated the reason why gyms wanted to work with him is he was the doctor that would give them the shortest recovery time for a gymnast. So if a gymnast had an injury and every other doctor said she needed eight weeks off, Larry Nasser would say, I'll get her back in two. And so that's why he ingratiated himself with so many um gymnastics facilities and so many coaches because they go oh well he gets the girls back to us quicker you know i can't have a girl down for eight weeks she needs to be training and larry nasser would say all right i'll get her so then there was the incident with a girl with a broken bone yeah do you want to talk about that um which girl was that again? She was the There's one. There's so many she, girls in this that it's almost like surviving R. Kelly in a way because it's like you got to really struggle to keep them all straight. And this I didn't even try because we only had the just the documentary. Yeah. At least with surviving R. Kelly, that's four parts. So you get to know them a little bit. But was she the really young one? No. She was, re- she was really young and she said... She was training at um, that one place in Michigan um, 
called like I can't I just I'm sorry I Doesn't forgot the matter. name of it but it was like yeah the Jazzmatazz or whatever oh Twist Stars Twist Stars thank you uh-huh. and she hurt her shin like her leg hurt and they send her to see Doctor Nasser and he you know treats her and adjusts her and says like okay we'll we'll get you back. And so she keeps training on this leg and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And they keep sending her back. She's so she's going like every day to see Dr. Nasser and she's not getting any better. And so six weeks later, she tells her coach she has a big competition coming up and she tells her coach, I just it hurts too bad. I can't keep doing this like it hurts too bad. And you know, they're like, Dr. Nasser says you're fine. And she's like, I, I just, it hurts too bad. I need to go to the hospital. And they tell her, empty out your locker, yeah. which meant you're done. We're not training so you anymore. What was that coach's name again? Um, I Deckert or Gen- I, I, I forget. But um, yeah, so they were interviewing one of the girls and they asked her about that coach. And she was like, yeah, I call him the devil. Yes. Like, Satan. And so I'm like, okay, but you had. Do you mean compared to Larry Nasser even? Like it sounded like it sounded like this guy wasn't a creep in that way. He was just a really like one of those coaches who's like not good enough, not good enough. And everyone's trying to like impress. Yeah. And, and he's working these girls to the point where it's dangerous and showing no mercy. And these are children. Like what like for right. me, like what is more important? Athletic secondhand athletic glory through a 13 year old or actually keeping a child safe because i will say that keeping a child safe is more important but this fucking dude didn't so he and he was full-on john crease from uh cobra kai (laughs) right i mean that's basically that but imagine yeah little girls and so he told her like clean out your locker or whatever and then she went somewhere else and found out that so he says clean out your locker which and she goes, that means you're fired. You're done. Yeah. Um, and she goes to the hospital and gets an x-ray. And what had happened was, okay, in your lower leg, there's two bones. There's the thicker one and the thinner one. Uh-huh. I also don't know what those are called because as we've established, I'm not a terribly Tibia smart and fibia? Sure. I, I'm guessing that too, sounds- but I, fe- I feel like. And then there's the femur. Is- That's the, is the thigh. thigh. Yeah. So um, tibia and fibia is lower. Yeah, yeah. So... It's the smaller one and it was broken and what had happened was it had broken and then from the repeated pressure of training on this leg, the top part had been driving into the bottom part like a nail. Yeah. So the the lower part of the brake is like split as the upper part of the brake has been driven into it like a nail because it's six weeks of doing gymnastics on a broken leg. Um and this coach didn't give a shit about her and and she's like so if larry nasser's this great doctor why isn't he diagnosing a broken bone because he did an exam she's seen him a million times and he's just like he's doing his treatments and says you're fine and never even called for an x-ray which that's got to be 101 right detecting a broken bone yeah if you can't do that then which just you're pretty worthless. Which just shows, like, not only was he a pedophile and wanted these girls to molest, but also that he, on top of that, had no regard for their physical well-being because the coaches are using him. He's ingratiating himself to the coaches by sending these girls out before they're healed because any other doctor is saying they're not ready to practice again. Larry Nasser says they're good. And he's putting these girls at risk physically just to ingratiate himself with the coaches yeah. so that he can He'll maintain access his way yeah but also there was the one guy who said he goes yeah larry always had this look like he didn't be- belong there like he didn't know what he was doing and he was just pleased to kind of be at the party and so maybe he just sincerely didn't know what the fuck he was really doing also which is also horrible Uh, well i I think it's either it's either he knows that they have a broken leg and doesn't care or he's completely incompetent and i'm leaning maybe towards more towards incompetency well yeah i think i mean i think it's both oh yeah if you're busy if you're spending all your time molesting you're not continuing your education and keeping ahead on the information in your right. field, which 
He has over 250 victims, like named victims. And that's not counting the people who never came forward. Right. So. Because he was doing it for like, what, 25 years yes. around there? Yeah. And so he's, you know, he's spending more time molesting than he is keeping up with his research and being a good doctor. And so I think that it just wasn't even, he was hapless and dangerous and, you know, if if he cared about these girls and he cared about their safety, he would have, number one, told the coaches, no, they need, you know, however many weeks downtime recovery. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, safety first. Because this is the thing is like sexual predators often do really care about their victims. And mm-hmm. that is what makes things confusing for the victims. And that is what a lot of the girls in this said is they're like, he was our friend. He was our confidant. Like it was hard for me to come forward because I feel guilty. I feel bad for him. I don't want to picture him in jail because we were close. Well, and, and a lot of them didn't even really know they were being molested. They thought maybe that there were, there was something medical he was doing. Yeah, or that they didn't like it, but like he's a good guy. Right. You know, he's a good guy. He's our buddy. So, you know, I don't, I'm not going to rat him out about this. Um, But... Yeah, but then it makes me go, well, he didn't even, not only was he a molester, but I don't think that he really cared about the safety or well-being of these girls because he's putting them in risk for permanent debilitating injuries because he's not being a good doctor. On top of being a rapey doctor, he's a bad doctor. He's a bad doctor. Um, And like you said, the documentary is intercut with these videos. So he had a whole YouTube series on gymnastics, sports medicine, and it's him like showing different techniques on patients. So it's like modeled by a young girl who's a gymnast. Her face is um, blurred out, but you're seeing his hands on these young girls' bodies in these videos. And all of it is just, even if he wasn't a pervert, it's weird to see. An, um, an older man, yeah, with his hand like really high up on their leg, like basically on their ass. Right? Like, should we be pushing young girls to this degree of physicality? Right. Because it's dangerous. It's actually like, it's the methods of training and how hard they're pushed is dangerous. And so should we be putting minors in this position? You know, you know, a UFC fighter, they put their bodies through hell. Mm -hmm. And if you're over the age of 18 and choose to put your body through hell, that's your own business. But these are minors who are being put through physical hell. And then their treatment involves being physically manipulated by grown adults. Like it's very insane to me. Even without the molestation, it's right. bizarre. Yeah, he just had his his hands all over. It's that, you know, hiding in plain sight sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no. I've And when you hear the interviews with him talking to cops and stuff or uh, detectives, or whatever, oh, when he's yeah. getting interrogated and they're and he's like, they're like, how long have you been doing treatments like this? He's like, oh, Jesus, uh, you know. 60 pounds ago you know oh yeah he's he's be, just trying he, to be charming and like i don't know you know i've been doing this forever i have a youtube series you can see so yeah i think he feels like oh no i've been doing this um the whole time and and uh yeah that he's done nothing wrong or at least and yeah when first accusations came out um that he was touching young girls inappropriately uh one of them was a gymnast a gymnast who was she was not a college age woman she was young but she was training at michigan state and she went to their coach there and said um dr nasser penetrated me with his hands and the coach said no he didn't you're confused yeah he touches like areas close to that in terms of the treatment you're talking about the female coach right yes yeah yeah yeah. and the coach is like he didn't penetrate you and she's like he did and so that coach rather than take her claim seriously brought in other gymnast after other gymnasts to say no 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 he touches us here like this but he doesn't penetrate right. us and this girl goes okay well he does touch me like that and they got finally another girl to say has said yeah no he does that to me too and um this head coach lady at Michigan State um hushed them and basically, well, she, she said she uh, that you're going. There's going to be serious ramifications <gasps> for you and for him. 
basically like saying, are you sure you want the shit storm that's going to be coming with this? Um, yeah, she waved a paper in her face and said, if you want to fill this out, it's going right. to be ramifications for you and him. And the girl goes, well, I'm thinking, I don't want to sacrifice my career. He's my friend. I don't want to hurt him. Right. And she said, you know, the next time she was sent to him for treatment, she broke down crying and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for, you know, the trouble I caused for you. Like she apologized to him and ended up continuing to be molested by him because this fucking coach wouldn't take him serious or wouldn't take her seriously and was like, I, it just makes me so upset because yeah, for the, another four years you did that, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's no way that people didn't know about it because apparently, like, girls were overheard talking to each other about it. Like, coaches overheard this yeah. and they chose not to do anything about it. It was a whole systemic thing where people knew it was going on but didn't want to ruffle any feathers, so they just didn't do anything. I know that like the main case broke in 2016 but i knew about this i was still in college when i heard about mm. all this molestering and i graduated in 2014 so i know that there were whispers of it loud enough to get to me right you know right. i'm not involved in the gym gymnastics community so when people go oh we didn't know anything about it i'm like how come i knew right i'm a bartender in phoenix same thing with harvey weinstein when that broke and like his close friends are saying we knew nothing about it. I go, how come I knew about this dating back to 2002 and yeah. you work in Hollywood and you didn't, you allegedly had no idea. Get out of here. Right. Like, um, that sort of thing just drives me absolutely. Bananas. Yeah. The Bill Cosby thing. Um, that was known years before Hannibal Burris. Yeah. It was a known thing. I, and again, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Just the, the sort of deniability is insane to me. Um, he, so he, in 2015, uh, the USA Gymnastics Association cuts ties with him after learning of quote-unquote athlete concern. Um, and in 2016, he's indicted on state sexual assault uh Charges for he assaulted a child from 1998 to 2005, and this ends up being a family friend. And so this is why the charges were pressed in this case, because it wasn't like an athlete that he was treating and was saying, oh, well, she just misunderstood my treatment or whatever. This was just a, 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 a little girl in his basement. Yeah, it was just like a neighbor. Yeah. Like he was friends with her parents, and she... When he was finally convicted, all the witnesses gave impact statements. And this poor fucking girl, she talks about how he uh, would expose himself to her and say, if you ever want to see my penis, all you have to do is ask. And then he would he would tickle her feet with his penis. And she went to her parents and said, hey, this has been going on. And her parents said no, it's not, you're a liar, blah, blah, blah. And she said the rest of her teenage years were hell because basically anytime she said or did anything, like her parents would be like, well, you're a, you're a liar. We know you're a liar. Think about what you said about Mr. Nasser, like yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so she said she had this terrible relationship with her parents. She did. She was withdrawn. She didn't trust adults, obviously. Her parents saw her as this evil little liar and then finally, when charges with him became public and her parents realized that she had been telling the truth all along and how it had destroyed her and, like, she reached out to try to rebuild her relationship with her dad, her dad ended up killing himself over guilt. Yeah. Um, um, so that shows you the ripple effect from what this does. But also, so when she's reading this to him in court, he's sobbing like... Did you buy it? I mean, I kind of did. I don't know. I think that he's really sad. I'm not saying like, oh, he's a good, you know, I'm just like, I'm just curious what your thoughts were. On I that. think because people often convince themselves that their actions are okay. They find a way to justify it in their mind, right? Where he's like, yeah, I'm just like doing this. It's part of their physical therapy, right, whatever, right. you know, and he 
probably convinced himself like they're little they're not even going to remember it they think it's part of treatment yada 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 and then he's held because it ended up being like 300 women who gave victim impact statements against him in court and he ends up spending days listening to how he didn't just not only was it not a victimless victimless crime it's not these little girls didn't forget yeah but he not and he ruined their lives and he ruined their families' lives. I think the uh the other impact statements though maybe he was a little numb too because we, we saw his reaction with some of the others. He's just kind of staring down and just like okay yeah I get it I'm a bad guy. Well the <laughs> one that he cried the most to was that woman that, who was a grown adult right. and so she I think had remained close to him into adulthood. Yeah. Um they were friends and she. That's what I'm getting um yeah confused. That is the one that he was crying. That's what I meant. And yeah. I think yeah because they were friends into adulthood and so he saw her. He probably convinced because basically she would convince other girls would come to her and be like, "Hey, Larry did this. It's weird." And she's like, "I was fully under his spell and I told them, "No, it's fine. That's like how it works." Like yeah. and I she goes, "I would refer other gymnasts to him because I thought oh, I'm doing so well athletically and it's because of Larry. And she's like, so I'm defending him. I'm recruiting for him. Like, I didn't even know. And so, yeah, that was the one where he was just crying because I think, especially because they remained friends into her adulthood, he probably saw her as an example of like, his crimes didn't hurt people. Right. And then here he is finding out, oh yeah, it turns out they did. Um, Yeah. So he, so the main court case happens or the first one with this neighbor friend that he molested. Um, now, despite these charges being made public, he has public sexual assault charges against him. He decided to run for the Holt School Board in 2016, um, which like just the fucking, this shows you the fucking gall, the fucking like audacity the audacity of this dude that he has pedophile sexual assault charges on him and he runs to be on the local school board and uh even worse he got 21 percent of the votes jesus um because people don't believe victims the tides are turning in that but uh right yeah um so yeah uh, shortly after this run for school board and 21% of the votes, um, he gets more charges pressed against him because FBI agents found more than 37,000 images of child pornography um, in his house and a video of him molesting underage girls because apparently he used a GoPro to videotape himself molesting girls in his basement and in his swimming pool. Yeah. So, like, there's no denying what you did at this point. You fucking videotaped it, you piece of shit. Right. Um, and so he pleads guilty to uh, the assault of that one girl, and he gets 60 years in prison. And then he has his second trial on further uh, sexual assault on minor charges. And this is the one with our friend, Judge Rosemarie Aquilina. Yes. And I loved her. She was great. Yeah. She's like a bad bitch. And she's like an older lady, but she's got like a tough bikery feel to her. Right. Um, at one point she had a clip in hair piece with some like bright red, like <laughs> rock and roll hair in it. Um so she sentenced him. She's the one who said, I'll accept your plea of guilty. Um and I forget why he agreed to do a plea and not a trial because usually you agree to do a plea because it lessens the charges right, right um but she said i will accept your plea um but i'm going to allow victims to give victim impact statements and so at this point it's gaining momentum because girls have gone public they're speaking out and, and so there it, was the father that came in yes yeah. okay let me get to that yeah but so there ends up being four days of victim impact statements and during that time he like writes a note to the judge saying like i just really think that i can't withstand this i think it's dangerous for my health yada i can't keep doing this and it was all i i mean yeah Yeah. and hell hath no or is am i cutting it no 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 so and in that at some point he's like you know these women have been spurred on by 
seeing other women in the media and hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So because of that, the judge is just like, fuck this guy. (laughs) Yeah, fuck this guy. I'm letting every woman who wants to speak against him speak for as long as they want to. And um, during this time is when a father of he so he molested three of this dude's daughters and the dude comes into court and is like, your honor, I would like to ask for 10 minutes in a locked room with Dr. Nasser. Five minutes. He just keeps going down. And the but- judge is like, you know, I can't do that. And he's like, just one minute. And the judge is like, you know, I can't. You know, that's not how our criminal justice system works. And so he charges at Nasser. It's tackled immediately. And yeah, I was just like, what if this happened to you guys? So it's really powerful. It was I'd really seen- powerful. That was, the, that was the point that I teared up at. Yeah. Um, even thinking about it. Just, I mean, that's like, there's that like parental love. Um, yeah. I mean, that touched, that really touched me because like this guy, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like as a parent to think that you're doing the right thing where you're like, yeah, I'm getting my kids involved in sports. Right. I'm helping them become athletes. I'm, you know, ma- raising these strong women and it turns out that you put them in harm's way. I can't imagine the like anguish. Um, you know, I wish uh, court cases were more case by case. Mm-hmm. They're like in this case, I'm gonna allow it. I'm gonna have it. <laughs> you know, um, just one minute, and then Nasser comes out with his own dick in his mouth, just hanging out. He's just yeah. like, "Fuck." Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was a really beautiful, touching moment, and that got that got around because I I'm not too hip to a lot of things that are going on in the news, yeah. but I remember seeing that if not on Facebook or somewhere, and I was like, "Jesus Christ, his fucking dad." Um, so yeah, that was, that was that was really powerful. Um, yeah, and so this judge, our our girl Rosemary, she sentences him to forty to a hundred and seventy five years, yeah. um, in prison. And she goes, uh, Mister Nasser, I just signed your death certificate. Right. Um, and then he has another trial, and and that trial he's sentenced to forty to hundred and twenty five years. Um, and the, the sentences are concurrent, but like, he's not going to live another 40 years, let alone 175 years. So like, he's never getting out of jail. Um, gotta say he aged all right. Right. Like, uh, just when they showed him when he was younger, cut to the way he looked. I don't know. I judge everything based on my mom. Cause like, she's <laughs> the person, the old person I know most intimately. Yeah. And he looks my mom's age, but my mom was born in 1949, and this fucktard was, was 63. 63. So, so I think he looks rough, but also just Deborah's holding it down. Deborah's holding it down, I yeah. think. So he would don't make me math right now. So okay, yeah, you're right. So he was like uh, in his fifties, yeah, or some of them, yeah. Um, yeah, he um apparently was immediately assaulted upon being put in general population. Yeah. Which is good, good feel. Do you think? Do you think any other prisoners are like, well, why is it our responsibility? Like, just <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, we gotta, we got another one. Let's go fuck him up. You yeah, know? they gotta like, they're like, man, I'm just. I sometimes I want to read books, but I'm always having to carve shanks because they keep throwing these pedos in Gen yeah. Pop, and I gotta handle them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and one of the things the judge said is like. Basically, you turned down many opportunities for help. Like, based on some evidence somewhere, it was said, like, you knew you had these urges from a very young age. You worked in the medical community. You never sought help for these inappropriate urges. Like, you built a whole life around gaining access to young girls. You never once sought help. Well, this goes back to... um our discussion about August Ames mm-hmm. and how Yoshi Obayashi said in that book, um, he was saying that he thinks it should be more like it is in other countries, how they have more ways to get help out here. Mm-hmm. But it's really not like that in America, right? To where you can just go somewhere and be like, yeah, I'm a pedophile. I don't want to molest anybody, but I just want to talk about it. Yeah, so it is very hard, and a lot of um, therapists, because they're not trained in dealing with it, um, and this is the problem with things being taboo, right? Yeah. Is that then the professionals that you would turn to for help aren't trained in dealing with it, and so a lot of um, 
therapists will refuse to work with someone who seeks treatment for pedophilic yeah. urges. There are doctors who um, treat them and there are uh, a bunch of uh, communities online for people seeking right. help. People get scared even to like speak out online like because they're like, I'm, I don't even want to say in, online that I have these urges, but there are like Reddit communities for people who say like, I have I have pedophilic urges. I I haven't acted on them. I don't really I I need help for knowing how right. to deal if with that them. If that gets out, you are fucked. You are fucked. Yeah. Um and so people are scared to even seek help, but there are online communities for people who have these urges and they w- don't want to act on them and they want to deal with them. There are there are places that can help you. There are resources. Um, and also those forums can put you in touch with a therapist who will talk to you. Like, so even if there isn't a therapist in like your community that will treat you, yeah. you can find an online therapist who can help you. Um, there are ways to seek help for uh, for pedophi- pedophilia before right. acting on it. Therapists are just like, bro. Bro, 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 come bro. on, bro. And like there, there are like lots of options where you can like seek treatment and ask to be chemically castrated, which yeah. basically kills your sex drive. Like if you're like, yeah, I'm sexually attracted to children. Can you please give me chemicals that make me? Not? Uh, like, I there, understand there are why guys are not quick to do that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. But if like, it was- yeah, if your options are, you know, commit a crime that ruins someone else's life or sure like you have to make sacrifices as a responsible member of the community you have to make sacrifices like if you're as i always say for me like being a good person isn't just about like self-interest but like taking care of yourself is a responsibility you have for your community and it starts as small as like showering and having good hygiene because other people have to be around you vaccinating yourself and your children because it helps stop the disease to communities I just remembered this one crazy documentary. We have to watch this and do it either for your show or mine. But uh, it's this guy in England who does kind of a um, dateline sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it rogue. He's just catching pedophiles. He's just posing as like 14-year-old girls on the internet, getting guys to come over. And it's him and his two buddies basically with cameras. And they're like, we got you, motherfucker. Like... Oh, it's crazy. You, we yeah. got to watch this document like now. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget the name, but I'm, I'm confident we'll we can find it. Um, But it's funny because the cops are like, you can't be doing this. This guy was actually committing a crime. And yeah. the irony that this guy's like, are you fucking shitting me, dude? Like, yeah. I, how many pedophiles have I brought to you? And um, that's how how he's handing out justice. I like that. Yeah. And uh, well, apparently the FBI is really good and has a really good task force monitoring like online pedophiles apparently they're doing that well but the people shaquille o'neal was on the case for a while yeah did you ever know that yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah like the people practicing in real life is where it's like sketchier where they're old school yeah um but yeah just to put a pin in my point like if you 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 need to handle your shit as a responsible citizen. So if you have urges, like violent or predatory urges, like you need to seek help because it's your responsibility as a citizen. Just like if you're a drunk and you drink and drive all the time or you like get in fights, you need to quit drinking. Yeah. It sucks. But like you need to quit drinking because you're not just a risk to yourself. You're a risk to others. And right. so if you if if you are a, a sexual predator, like you you need to seek help before you act on those things because you're going to ruin people's lives, least of all your own, which really doesn't matter. Um, or you can kill yourself. I'll give but you that But even option. if from a, just a selfish standpoint, like, yeah, you're going to get caught because the thing is when you have these paraphilic urges and, and, it, and you're dabbling in pedophilia, it's not like you just do it once and you're like, okay, that was a mistake. Let me stop now. It's you, you get only get more brazen. Yeah. And 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 because people don't want to believe bad things are happening, they are more than willing to look the other way. Right. Which is like how this fucking dude got away. Yeah. Um, and just like fuck this dude. He's still alive. He hasn't been killed in prison. They like transferred him prisons a couple of times. Well, so he, this was just recently, kind of somewhat recently that he was even in twenty um six. 2016 was his first conviction so So he's been in custody since 2016 
Um, and he's had to transfer prisons a couple times due to assaults. <laughs> Jesus. Um, There's no place for him, you know? No. Uh, in 2018, um, more than 140 survivors of Nasser's abuse appeared on stage together at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, California, to receive the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage at the 28 ESPY Awards ceremony. Um so that's pretty amazing yeah. is that these uh, victims were awarded, you know, a prestigious Medal of Honor from an athletic association because, like, not only were they top athletes, but they were brave enough to come forward and, like, finally put an end to this abuse. Right. Um, also, in the in the wake of this, the entire 18-member board of the USA Gymnastics Association, they tendered their resignation um and uh, michigan state president lou anna simon resigned along with the msu's director of athletics mark hollis so like basically all these people had stink on them Uh which i cannot fucking can you imagine i just can you imagine knowing that children are being harmed and choosing to look the other way because it's more convenient professionally no, I can't. No. I just can't imagine. Especially doing just that. for because, like, well, we got to get that gold medal in gymnastics. <laughs> Who gives or, a like, fuck? it's going to cause a hullabaloo right, right. and it's going to make my association look bad. Who cares? Find mm-hmm. a new career. Be a greeter at Walmart. Yeah. Like, that's my thing is like, you really are protecting predators to keep your career. So, what if the whole institution of gymnastics crumbled and there's no longer gymnastics in the United States, like, competitively? Yeah. That's fine. What's not okay is molesting children. I just, that's the idea is like, we will, we will look the other way to maintain these institutions. So what if the institutions crumble? I mean, like, listen, you're talking to someone who's like, you know, let's burn it all down. Yes, yes. <laughs> because just because an institution keeps a status quo doesn't mean that it keeps people safe. Right. Um, And yeah, I just, I can't imagine being so scared of like, oh my god, my career is going to be ruined, so I better let the, these girls keep... Who gives a fuck about your career? Go work at Target. Go work at the Starbucks inside of a Target. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's Ma- Walmart or Target is what you're saying are these people's options. Well, I'm just I'm just giving like to what... <laughs> I know what you To mean. what those people would be like the worst career imaginable. Sure. Like, oh, but I make $100,000. Like... Working at a university, I couldn't possibly throw this all away to save these girls' lives. So what if your house gets foreclosed on and you have to go work in middle management at, like, you know, a retail chain? Like, who gives a shit? Because it are, are other people's lives and safety is not the, like, I don't know. Just the sexual sacrifice of young girls to maintain your middle class lifestyle. Are you fucking kidding me? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, I just, I, the, the idea that, like, Larry Nasser is not the only villain in this story. Right. For 30 years, he was enabled by an As entire all institution. Of these, all of these episodes you've done with me <laughs> yeah. about pedophiles, uh, there's always a bunch of people surrounding them and protecting them in one way or another. Um, and with ver- R. Kelly, with with Lou Pearlman, with everybody. And these are these are all institutions that like, I mean, us as a whole, we don't value. I guess we don't value like children or young women very much because these gymnastics is already an institution that like uses young girls as yeah. objects. I don't think so. Obviously, the people who are in those institutions who are who are working these girls out 14 hours a day and quote unquote racking them. Yeah. Like these aren't people that care about the safety and well-being of children anyways. Right. So obviously these are people who are, I would think are more likely to be complicit in the physical abuse of young women because they don't really, they, their bodies are objects to them anyways. Yeah. Um, and so fuck all of them is what I'm and saying. And if you're just a part of the uh, general public like us, you or I, I mean, who who thinks about gymnasts or even about? I see them in the Olympics, and I go, "Oh, look at her flipping around. That's crazy. How did they? How do they do this?" And then that's as far as my thought and goes. And they're these little dolls behind, to us. And yeah, and then behind the scenes, there's all this racking and molestering, as you call it, and all of this shit. And but luckily nowadays, it, it is a world where 
you know, maybe you'll tell the first person and they won't listen, mm-hmm. but you tell somebody else and somebody's going to fucking hear you and it's going to become a thing. Um, um I, the two things that I, I want to say is number one, watch the documentary because it will give you, I mean, outside of this sex abuse scandal, the first part of it will really give you an understanding of how impressive these young women are as, yeah. as athletes because it's insane what they go through. I personally am not condoning it. That was that um, was the first, yeah, like five, ten minutes. I'm just like, I, you saw me. I was just sitting like straight up on the edge of this. I was like, oh, my God, dude. This is crazy what yeah. they're doing. This is pre-parkour videos, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's insane what they're pushed to, and it'll give you a lot more respect for the athletes and for me a lot less respect for the institution the other thing is that these women weren't taken seriously when they were reported when they were reporting within the channels that they had so they go to the lady from msu and say i was fingered she's like no you weren't and the only person that she told about these accusations was larry nasser himself the second person to report within the institution um it was brought to a review board and Larry Nasser himself was allowed to pick the other doctors to review his techniques. So these women actually didn't make progress in um, having him stopped or shut down until they went public with their names in the paper. And so that's when the ball got rolling. And it makes me it is disappointing to me that women need to uh, parade their private pain and assault in order to be um heard or understood so it wasn't if when there were whispers when i was reading about it in 2011 no one took it seriously because there weren't names and faces and it wasn't until one girl came forward and it was front page of the newspaper her full name her age her face on the paper and then and then it was believed and like these victims all had to end up coming forward and telling their own tragic stories, which is really, really hard. Um, and as we talked about, um, I think in a, one of our R. Kelly updates is like uh, psychiatrists say that like having to then testify against your accuser can be more traumatic than the initial yeah. assault. And so I think we're going through that with the whole abortion debacle that we're having right now is where, you know, abortion is super marginalized and even though statistically speaking, you know, one out of every four to three women have had an abortion. Nobody knows that because we don't talk about it. So then we have to come forward and say, I, Sydney DeLorean, have had an abortion. Like, you know, you know me. You know people who've had abortions. Like, and we have to parade our, like, private, our private lives, you know, right. especially, like, when it's sexual in nature, it makes it even harder. Um, and so it's disappointing that these women had to do that and right. had to go public. Um I respect them and I'm like infinitely proud of them. And I think it's great that they got a medal of honor because that's not, that's not easy to come forward and say like this thing happened to me. It it doesn't make up for everything that happened, but it's something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wish people believed victims without them having to like put their face on. Right. And you make a good point about abortion. How is it, is it going to be to the point where everyone has to come out and you're like, yeah, I've had an abortion. Like, well, that's there's a there's a movement going on hashtag you know me right, um, um. and it's something that like I recorded a podcast about and I wrote an essay for and I have like yet to publish it because like I'm not even like I feel compelled to yeah. I like feel very strongly that 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 like you know we need to break down the stigma of abortion yeah um however it's scary for me to put my name on that well, you know that, that is personal and it is it's something personal that i went through like this the the repeated like you know sexual traumas that i've experienced and then the fact that like you know had i not been able to have an abortion and i would have been forced to carry a child of an yeah. abuser like that that would have been like my final straw in terms of like sexual traumas for my body to like withstand so for me i i say not only does abortion not end an end a life but it can save one Mm -hmm. like it definitely saved mine and so but do i want my employer to know that i've had an abortion not really right because you know you end up with situations where say your employer is religious and they find out 
through whispers in the winds that you've had an abortion and now their opinion of you is tainted and they can't fire you for having had an abortion, but they can certainly look for reasons to dismiss you. And so it's, it, it is shameful that in this year of 2019 that like, yeah, like we, in order to enact political change, we need to go forward and we aren't heard until we put our, our names and our faces with things, but also that has repercussions for our lives. And some of us just want to survive. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, that, that's a, that's a disappointing thing. Um, and that's why all the women in these, like, you know, sex scandals and these me too situations, I, I have like infinite, um, respect for because, um, and I just lose more respect, you know, for my my sex every day. There's there is a lot that I see though that'll be like it'll report something. Some guy will do something shitty, mm-hmm. and and then somebody will post about it, and then it'll be like hashtag men are disgusting, yeah, or men are pigs. And I'm just sitting here like, hey, like, <laughs> um. But, you know, you can't even really fight back because it's just so horrible. And then you see something like this. I think when I used to hear about, I dated girls who, like, they would tell me, like, every girl that I've ever dated, they're like, oh, yeah, then this happened. And then I'm like, okay, one of two things is happening. Either all guys are fucking rapists Mm -hmm. or a small percentage, the small percentage who are, are hitting everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was pretty uninformed at the time as well. And now it looks like, yeah, the, the people that do do it are serial rapists and do. They're serial offenders because yeah. they're not being stopped. So they're able to go on right. and do that. And like I've I've had I've had many healthy and safe sexual experiences in my life. Right. Far more than I've had negative. Right. So like but i have i have experienced sexual assault and so and i think that's common with most women is like once you start to talk and get to know them is like you know everybody has at least one yeah it's like hashtag not all men but hashtag seemingly all women have experienced some form of so i get yeah i guess my point was like yeah i was just trying to work out the math on that (laughs) it's not that it didn't believe them or anything it's just like dude what the fuck you know um it makes you look around especially now as we watch more and more of these these super fun documentaries i'm just like every institution like whether it's a place of business i'm like you could be the manager at burger king Mm -hmm. you know with your little bit of power and be like all right suck my dick (laughs) you know like it's just everywhere it's everywhere and it's rampant and it becomes no it's it's normalized in a way yeah um and again i think the thing is the tides are turning but in order for them to turn we're having a lot of uncomfortable conversations where women have to make themselves the public face of trauma and men have to feel like oh i can't do anything right it's always rape and it's like well no you just need to like we need to have an uncomfortable dialogue on what is and don't get so defensive because yeah, not everybody's so- talking about yeah, you. Yeah, it's not all about you. Right. Like, yeah. So um, anyways, watch this documentary on HBO. Watch anything. If, if you could go back, if we could go back in time to you asked me, do you recommend this documentary? Yes. Any documentary on HBO. Yeah. They're all great. Uh-huh. Whether they're about drugs or this or there was the Finding Neverland. one. They're all just done really well. Yeah. Oh, and also like. Uh, uh, sorry, we like wrapped it up and then I like, so this guy, everyone said he was like, he's so nice. He's so conversational. And I think that's important to remind people that like abusers aren't like these, always these scary guys in alleyways looking to jump you. It's people who ingratiate themselves into your community, into, you know. They're hiding in plain sight. They're hiding in plain sight. And so, you know, people think they can tell like, oh, but he was a nice guy. He was a good guy. He, you know, did this for me. He did that for me. And it's like, yeah, he did. But that doesn't mean that he's not, you know what I'm saying? Like the the dev- what is it the de- like the devil something about the devil being in disguise or something like the devil isn't always like out there with like his horns and his cape right like right, right. 
Yeah, he's he's a friendly guy who's sneaking you candy at camp and like yeah yeah so moralist story. Everyone is a rapist or a pedophile rapist and have a good week, right? Yeah, happy hump day. <laughs> Bye.